0: So today we are wrapping up this series on joy we've been in all month. Uh, This is the 10-year anniversary for Platt Park Church coming up in October, and we just thought we'd take the whole year to celebrate. So we started this series on joy, and the first week of this series, Tim talked about choosing joy daily. And then the second week we talked about how joy and sadness are like two sides of the same coin. And last week, Stephen talked about how joy is possible because God is present. So good. Today, we're going to wrap up the series talking about how joy is possible because of resurrection. And to do that, we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about Latin and babies and WWF wrestling. Okay? So first... Do you want to learn a Latin word? I know some of you are thinking, Susie, Latin is a dead language. But we're talking about resurrection, so stay with me. Okay, this is the word, resurgum. Can you say that? Resurgum. That is a Latin word that means I will arise. And that word was often found on gravestones, tombstones, in cemeteries up until the late 19th century. I will arise. Very interesting that many cemeteries were found right outside of churches for a long time, for centuries, when people walked into a parish or a cathedral, they would walk past a cemetery on their way in. Now, for those of you who have kind of grown up in, like, an attractional church model, uh, that sounds a little odd. Like, who wants to pass a bunch of dead people on the way in to worship? Uh, not very seeker-sensitive, if you will. But uh, for centuries, that is what happened. And partially, that was out of convenience, but it was also theological, coming into worship and passing a cemetery was almost like this is your greeter team. This is your welcome wagon. This is a visual reminder that as the people of God gather, they gather with those at rest in heaven. And so church entrances had cemeteries, kind of like a greeter team. Personally, I kind of prefer Tim as the greeter, <laughs> but I'm a little bit biased. That was what they did, though. It was a visual reminder that the people of God gather, but when we do that, we gather with those at rest in heaven in corporate praise to God and in eager anticipation of Christ's return when the church will be reunited again, resurgam, I will arise. That constant reminder of resurrection brought joy and it brought hope. The scriptures say that everyone will rise, that everyone will experience. Resurrection. The question is just around what reality will I rise to? And one reality centers around the presence of God, where I experience relationship, community, and purpose, starting now and forever. The other reality is totally devoid of the presence of God without relationship, without community, without purpose. That reality is called hell, and we can be living there now. So the question is just around what reality will you rise to? But nobody's candle is just going to, like, go out. No one's candle will just be blown out at the end. All of us will rise. All of us will be resurrected to one of these two realities. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection destroyed the dividing wall that separates people from God. So now it is possible to begin living in intimate connection to the living God starting now, going on into eternity. Jesus' death, life, resurrection made that possible for everyone. It opened up wide the door of heaven, and it became open to everyone. It became open to the the invitation into God's family is totally open. It is open to all races, all creeds, all sexual preferences, all political party involvements. It's open to the greedy and the generous. It's open to the certain ones and the doubting ones. It's open to all. And the entry requirement into God's family is totally mercy-based. It's not merit-based. It's not based on what I do or don't do. It's based entirely on what Christ alone has done. And that's why we sing songs and we say things in those songs like, I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, and still you give your love away. Because the entry requirement into God's family is mercy-based, it's totally based on what Jesus has done, not on what I do or don't do. So in the resurrection story of Jesus... There is this fabulous sentence, and it simply says this. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He's risen. The center of the resurrection story of Jesus, that historical event, centers around this. He is not here. He's risen. Now, general human experience Is that when people are dead, they stay dead. End of story. That's how this life works. Do you ever read The Onion? Here's a headline from The Onion. It says this world death rate still holding steady at 100%. (laughs) This is how life works. When people die, they stay dead. But the resurrection story flips the script, it flips the expected script. And it centers around that phrase, he is not here. He's risen. Like, bet you did not see that coming. And so resurrection raises provocative questions for how the world works. The scriptures say that the same power that raised Christ from the dead... Resides in you, his followers. Resurrection raises all sorts of provocative questions about how the world really works. Because usually when you're dead, you stay dead, end of story, but he is not here. He's risen. What else does that mean? Totally flips the script. You assumed he was dead, end of story, but he's not. What else could that mean? Joy is possible because God is here and is coming. Joy is possible because of resurrection. So what is resurrection? The early followers of Christ had very interesting word pictures, metaphors, ways of talking about resurrection. And so... Let's talk about babies for a minute. Resurrection is described as new birth. And that's a reason for joy. For the early followers of Jesus, one image they had for resurrection was of new birth. So let me ask, does anybody have a baby in the room right now? (laughs) Like a freshly made baby. Yay, freshly made (laughs) baby. Okay. So. Hi, Kipling. I know you. You were dedicated here very recently. Hi, buddy. How are you? Oh, you guys were also drawn to babies, right? Hi. Would you let me hold you? What do you think? Will you come see me? Hi. <laughs> There's Daddy and Mama. Can you say hi to everybody. We are also drawn to babies. What is it? Certainly the little nose, the little ears, <laughs> the little fingers. We are all drawn to a baby. Thank you, Kipling, for letting me hold you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you want to I could give you this. You want to give the rest of the sermon? <laughs> Thank you guys. Good yeah. job, yeah. So what is it about a baby? Like, why? I mean, even the guys in the room right now are like, yeah, he's pretty cute. (laughs) And the girls, you know, they're like, super cute. I want a little baby. I mean, even when a baby, like, loudly soils itself, we say, good job. That is the only time in life you do that. (laughs) Trust me. Why are we drawn to babies? What is it? You just marvel at him. You just want to look at him. I remember when Russell was first born, I was just like, I just just want to take in the newness of life, new birth. The reason we love babies is because of possibility. He hasn't been beaten up by life yet. He has only known love and provision He hasn't had his words misunderstood or misconstrued yet. He hasn't had a dark night of the soul. And we are drawn to babies because of possibility. You know, you just look at a little baby and you think, what are these eyes going to see? What are are you going to do with your hands? Who are you going to love and who's going to love you? What... What great invention or idea might you have? We're drawn to babies because of possibility. Everything is ahead in hope, and there's nothing behind in regret. New birth, resurrection. It taps into that longing in us for everything to be ahead in hope, and nothing to be behind. In regret. So the early followers of Christ would say, Resurrection, it's like new birth, where everything is ahead of you in hope, nothing lies behind you in regret. It's like new birth, it's like resurrection. Do you know what squelches joy? Fear, regret. Worry. What brings joy is to have it all ahead in hope and nothing behind in regret because it's been forgiven. And maybe you've been here this month and you've been like, I love the idea of joy, but I cannot have joy because I struggle with depression. And maybe you just are resigned to I will always Or maybe you have something like in your past, and it's like this dark blot that follows you around like a heavy cloud, and you don't really speak of it, and you don't really know what to do with it, but it's just this like shame pit. And you're sort of resigned to thinking, it will always be this way. Or maybe you've been here, and you've been like, yeah, I want to have joy, but you don't know what kind of relationship I'm in right now. It is pure slog, and I have no hope for anything different. Resurrection, when we start to become resigned to things, when we start to say, it's this way and it's always going to be this way, resurrection comes in and it just kicks down that door, and it is like, he is not here. He is risen. What else could that mean? Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So it just comes in. And it just says he is not here. He is risen. What else could that mean? There are all sorts of things that are possible now. New birth. Resurrection. So let's talk about WWF wrestling. When I was growing up, my brother, two years younger than me, got so into WWF and Rocky Balboa movies, and my dad actually had to cut my brother off from watching WWF because all he ever wanted to do was like reenact the scenes with me. (laughs) But I could totally take him. Resurrection is described as victory. As victory. And that brings joy. The scriptures say, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. To the early followers of Christ, resurrection was described as victory. It was seen as victory. It was understood that death could not hold him down. That resurrection was like death to death. It put death to death. So resurrection is like a boxer. Resurrection is kind of like someone in the ring of the wrestling match. Resurrection is like there's a really mean, nasty opponent called death. And it is swinging a punch. And it is swinging another. And it is swinging another. And you get knocked down. But then you pop back up. And then another hit. And another hit. And another. And whew wind knocked out of you, down for what seems like the count, and then pop back up, didn't see that coming, I thought when you were down you were going to stay down, did not see that coming. At some point, if you get hit enough, you fall down enough, but you pop back up, at some point it kind of becomes an issue for your opponent. Because at some point, hit, fall down, fall down, get back up, pop back up, pop back up, at some point, you kind of start to taunt your opponent. You start to say, like, is that all you got? Is that all you got? Let me get my grandma on the phone. Is that all you got? Really? You kind of start to taunt them. If it's WWF, you probably say something like this. Can you smell la-la-la-la-la what the rock is cooking? (laughs) some point, if your opponent gives everything you, they've got, if your adversary gives everything they've got, and you absorb it, and you transform it, you win. Because the best your opponent could give, the best your adversary could give, did not keep you down. You stood back up. And that's why the scriptures say Jesus disarmed publicly the powers and authorities. They refer to the cross as the ultimate victory. It's the ultimate victory. Like, is that all you got? Crucifixion? Is that all you got? Because I'm still standing. Seriously? That's it? So the early followers of Christ saw the central metaphor of the resurrection as that of victory, like a boxer, like a wrestler who gets, you know, hit down and gets back up again. For the first 1,000 years of church history, the resurrection was understood primarily in those terms of victory over death. Death gave Christ its hardest punch, and he stood back up. So death has no mastery over him. The scripture writers say, where, O death, is your victory. Where, oh death, is your sting? Like, where, oh death, is your left hook? Is that all you got? And when you think about how we talk about the resurrection, often, think about the images, artists' imagery of the resurrection, often it's like a misty, foggy morning, and the colors are very muted, and there's like an angel sitting on a stone, like a hand in the air, and it's boring, And this is where we have something to learn from our brothers and sisters in the Orthodox Church because they understand the resurrection to be much more noisy and vibrant and victorious. One Orthodox writer said this, in Orthodoxy, we believe the central meaning of the resurrection is victory. Thus, our traditional image is more vibrant and noisy and it rings with a victorious shout. We'll try it again. It rings with a victorious shout. Woo! The resurrection is a victory over sin. It's a victory over death and the devil and a victory over the dark forces that enslave us and despise us and wish to destroy us. Do you have any of those in your life? Right? Right? It is a victory over the dark forces that enslave us, despise us, and wish to destroy us. So here's what we're going to do to emphasize this and learn from our friends in the Orthodox Church. We're going to get noisy for a minute this morning. Because joy is possible because of resurrection. Christ is present now and is coming again. And that brings joy. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. Joy is possible because resurrection surrounds us. And so here's what we do. We look things straight in the eye, things that previously paralyzed us, things that previously enslaved us with fear. We look those same things, whatever they may be in your life, we look them straight in the eye. And we say, I'm sorry, he is not here. He is risen. And that changes everything. So here's what we're going to do to get noisy together. I'm going to say joy is possible because of resurrection. And you're going to say Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And after we do that three times together, I want you to party like it's 1999. And Y2K is not coming. We're gonna party like it's 1999. So let's do this together. Stand. You gotta stand for this because we're gonna get loud. Joy is possible because Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. I can't hear you. Joy is possible because Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Joy is possible because Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again.